Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. to the Spin This Podcast on BBC Radio 1, live from the colonies. This is Spin This, our music roundtable discussion. Did you hear that? Yeah, it was like uh, something uh, just broke or something like that. <laughs> okay. Well, first off, it sounded like, Sam. <laughs> it sounded like you were so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> that I was uh, stealing valor from the BBC, that you destroyed something. <laughs> so I will provide some context to my recording setup today. So I am not uh, recording in the usual roach-infested apartment that I have been the past uh, dozen or so episodes. Mm-hmm. I am recording from my girlfriend Megan's apartment, uh, currently in the bedroom of her nine-year-old daughter, Haley. Shout out to Haley. <laughs> Uh, and there is a rabbit in this room named Athena. Shout out to Athena, who's like suddenly chill now, but was very not chill uh, as you had your speech about the BBC and uh, its loyalties and things like that. Wow. It must have been the uh, the sibilance that triggered its am- animal instincts. Instincts. Yeah, animal imms. God fucking damn it. You know what I'm saying. Well, now we'll never know yeah, what you whatever. were saying. It wasn't important. Okay, so... How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I feel like it's it's uh, it's been a long time since we last recorded. Yeah, I think it's been three weeks. <laughs> yeah. This is the first recorded one of 2021. Yes. But we got all of our like year-end recaps out of the way and that, that kind of shit. So for yeah. all intents and purposes, this should just be a standard issue podcast. Yeah. Which is good. It's good to get back yeah. to the normal run of the middle. Some, some of the reg dregs. Reginald, Dreginald. Hey, hey. <laughs> Reginald, Dreginald. I like it. Uh, hey, Aiden, do you have any news what? and or commentary? Um, I do. I have a little bit of news. So uh, this is actually breaking news as of today, not as of release. Phil Spector, famous music producer, uh, has died at the age of 81 years old. So he was quite old. Uh, right. I feel like People who are in the know of the music industry know of Phil Spector. He has an extreme air of infamy about him for, uh, you know, having killed somebody and also just being a general kind of crazy paranoid figure. He was famous for uh, producing artists such as the Ronettes, the Beatles, you know, among many others. He was famous for creating the so-called wall of sound, which is just like layers upon layers of uh, harmonized vocals, strings. He he coined it as a Wagnerian approach to pop music. But he was also infamous as well for uh, killing somebody. In this case, the actress Lana Clarkson in 2003, for which he was convicted of second-degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of associated with the uh, kind of pariah music figure or cr- creative figure in general. He's, you know, of this highly eccentric, um, 
paranoid, reclusive type figure. Although I'm not sure if necessarily he was a reclusive, but he was very paranoid uh, into his later years. It, he, he was reclused into a life in prison? He definitely was in the joint a few times. Yep, for uh, for that murder. That yep, for that murder. Yep, that, I don't recommend that. Uh, especially towards the end of his life as well. He threatened people constantly. He always carried guns with him. Uh, he was mm. obsessed with firearms and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, I mean... It's always it always gets into this discussion. I feel like with uh, highly controversial figures in music, who undoubtedly had a massive influence on music that is considered classic and considered mm. timeless as well. Uh, yeah. There are many artists that I consider to be reprehensible people who have nonetheless created good art. Mm-hmm. So it always goes back to that kind of like death of the artist type thing. Can you truly separate yeah. the art that you're listening to? and recontextualize it in a way that separates it from the uh, artist's actions. Yeah. And I think you can. I mean, but I mean, I think that everybody should be aware of what, you know, the the context. I don't think P- Phil Spector ever made anything like music that was reprehensible. So uh, whereas, right. you know, somebody like, uh, I always cite this person because he's like uh, an interesting figure, but uh, Varg from uh, Burzum and, and Mayhem, who's like one of the like black metal figures. Uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned he was like a, a white nationalist and like a right. Um, he killed one of his fellow bandmates. Uh, yeah, when I, he I don't Mayhem. stand any parts of that. Yeah. But nonetheless, he's created some uh, classic black metal albums as well. Yeah, uh, and he's like the classic example of that of of like you know death of well, the artist or whatever. A, a more like uh, recognizable for anybody would be well Michael Jackson for one. Oh for sure. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, of not doing obviously not murder but but not doing some great or some, doing some not great things. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like his, uh. Uh, you know, I don't know what the official status is of its, if it's alleged or if it is confirmed, uh, you know, things he's done with people that are not legal to be done with. Mm-hmm. But his music is some of the most iconic stuff that has ever been music. Yeah. So it's kind of of that same kind of category of you can't really. Like, I, I've enjoyed Michael Jackson's songs. I wouldn't say I was ever a hardcore fan or anything, but I've enjoyed many tunes of his and I feel like he got a bit of forgiveness after he died for some of that stuff. Everyone loved Michael Jackson for a few years there again. And then uh, in more recent years, there was some documentaries about him yeah. and more accounts and stuff. In the Me Too era, he's it's not uh, done his uh, dead self any favors. Yeah, I, and I think there were always people who were willing to defend Michael Jackson. Yeah. I had a French teacher who was like obsessed with Michael Jackson at any hint of uh, discussing Michael Jackson's alleged... Uh, crimes, she would vehemently deny it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure. She would just like shut down the discussion because she loved Michael Jackson so much. Uh, he was that much of a larger than life figure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I'm even seeing in Phil Spector's uh, Wikipedia page, like he worked on like the Beatles album, Let It Be. Yeah, Let It Be. That's like a good, good ass album. And that's kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's tainted by the fact that now I'm aware of who Phil Spector is and his, uh, his contributions on that yeah. record. I almost feel uh, as though like uh, Phil Spector and like George Martin would have not been as well known as most producers are if they hadn't worked with the Beatles. Yeah, probably. Maybe Phil Spector because he kind of uh, 
uh, innovated and created that kind of wall of sound thing. But I feel like e- even to less of a degree than he is well known as a producer now, because most of the time producers yeah. are not as well known in the general public as the musicians which they produce, which is a shame. Yeah. I, I think the Beatles were all their gateway to uh, name recognition. Yep. Ga- Beatles were gateway for a lot of people being recognized. Yeah. Phil Spector, George Martin, Ringo Starr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That other guy that wasn't in the Beatles. Uh, oh, God. Anyway, uh, you had another piece of news as well that you uh, yeah, added to I, the... So I don't know if this was your approach to finding news, but when I was on the bus uh, over here, I went on my phone, I Googled music, and then clicked the news tab. (laughs) Uh, And that's how I learned about the death of Phil Spector. But I also learned Mick Fleetwood sells recorded recorded music rights to to BMG, which is uh, a company that has music. Yes. Uh, I don't know what BMG stands for. Um, I'm not sure what it stands for. I think they're known colloquially as bmg even though they're sony bmg i know that they're music guy yeah i know that they're a rights management company so basically they just own and license the rights to uh songs and recordings yeah Yeah. which kind of falls in with our recurring theme of who owns the music rights yeah who owns them (laughs) who gets paid who doesn't get paid who truly owns your music coming up on dateline no i mean like i'm not sure about this article in particular i didn't really have time to read it but, yeah, um, I, I read a different article from a different news source than the one I put in the, the Goog doc. Um, but from what I remember, it was, uh, I think it was everything except for the first two Fleetwood Mac albums. Oh, I see. But yeah, uh, I so I know the Rumors album is included within that. And I, I like, I know that my main thing of that, because uh, last year, that song Dreams from the album uh, kind of became like a TikTok sensation all of a sudden yeah yeah it did so that's kind of like there's definitely the the sort of modern virality to it where Fleetwood Mac is still culturally relevant even in 2021 now Mm -hmm. uh so I think it's you know good for BMG for getting that but uh and I'm sure uh, I don't think it actually confirmed how much money uh Mick Fleetwood made off of it but um in the other article I was reading it I don't think it really says it in this one um, a similar deal with Bob Dylan's rights. I think he got like three hundred million for that. Yeah, there's a there's, so there's been a huge trend of artists doing this. Um, I think Mariah Carey did this as well. Either Mar- Mariah Carey or Beyonce. I can't remember who. Mm-hmm. Apparently, one of the reasons why they're doing this, and this may be amongst many reasons, I think uh, probably COVID nineteen and the lack of revenues has has uh, you know prompted this as well. I mean, it's mostly among older artists. I think. Um, uh, Neil Young did some of this as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is because the tax code is going to be changing soon in the United States because of the Biden administration. Um, yeah. Any assets sold over $1 million uh, are soon going to be um, capital gains taxed uh, at a 37% rate as opposed to a uh, 20% rate. So yeah, sell while the, the buying's good. Yeah, strike while the iron's hot there, bud. Yep, so good for him. He's probably going to make a, a, you know, a decent chunk of change there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he probably made a decent chunk of change. I don't know if TikTok pays any of that uh, music rights stuff, but it seemed like everyone in the world was using that song for like a several-week period. Yeah. I wonder what Sting is going to do, because I know that Sting owns a lot of the copyright to his original stuff. 
uh, I was reading something about how Sting owns the publishing and the recording rights or something like that to uh, Every Breath You Take. Yeah. And so he's, he's made a fuck ton of money off of that. Yeah. Um, because I, I think he, uh, as opposed to like when you sell part of your uh, uh, composition related rights to a publisher uh, or you give them a percentage of the revenue, uh, I think Sting actually owns like close to 100% of the rights to that one, but I'm not entirely sure. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess it really only matters if you plan to sell it for hundreds of millions of dollars or even millions of dollars, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if he plans to keep it all, he just fucking coasts on that. Yeah. Also, like, are these people really going to, like, uh, like the difference between an extra 100 uh, million and, like, 120 million is probably immaterial to these people. So it's, it's like... Um, Marginal utility, right? Like, what's an extra $20 million? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I was going to sell this for $300 million and only got, like, $240 million. Yeah. Damn shame. A damn shame. I might as well commit tax fraud to get out of this. Or well, that what measly am I, millions. How am I going to buy my third villa in Boca Raton? <sighs> like, first percent problems. One yeah, percent. first world. One percent problems. Different kinds of one percenters, though. Yep. Shall we proceed to uh, Joseph Pass and Joseph Smash? Joe Pass or Joe Smash. Yeah, the first track that we wanted to do was, uh, I believe it's Save Your Tears by The Weeknd. Uh, motion to save that one for last. Uh, okay. Unless, it's a, unless you want to talk about it first. Well, I just wanted to say... That Save Your Tears slaps with the force of 50 off-duty policemen. I wonder who came up with that one. Yep. That, that is a, one of those original thoughts that I don't even know where it came from. Yeah. I'm actually glad you said it because if I tried to say it, it would sound like I was reading off a message that I sent and it would sound too artificial. Uh, but that's just the way that it would have sounded. I'm not necessarily yep. saying that I came up with that or anything, you know. Yep. I'm glad you're not saying that. <laughs> So what one did you did you want to do? For, I don't mean to get political. Yeah, I don't want to get political, so I will say that Aiden <laughs> came up with that one. Yeah. I'm very not political. Although we're, we're probably losing the Blue Lives Matter people. That's true. <laughs> see ya, see ya, all the Blue Lives Matter people. Oh no, oh no, yeah. all the all those All Lives Matter folks too. They yeah. both hate this. Oh my god. As long as we're keeping all the am and. The anime audience, I can't fucking speak today. All my concerts. The anime are just stands. Getting, yeah. And the Black Lives Matter stands, uh, I stand as well. Yeah. We can bring them in. We like those people. Yeah. Come on in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I will say regarding Save Your Tears, just a funny thing that came up. Uh, when I was listening to it, Save Your Tears played all the way through. Then the next song come, comes on. It's also by The Weeknd, and it's called In Your Eyes. Oh, yeah. Save the tears in your eyes. Oh yeah, where they belong. Nice, nice. Does he have a song called "Where They Belong"? Because that would be a good trio of songs. Yeah, yeah. I just felt like if the, if I kept playing the weekend, it would eventually form like a short story or something. Yeah, I think um, both in your eyes. Okay, I don't want to talk about them too much. Let's let's okay. go to <laughs> let's uh, save it. Let's save because, it because uh, I want to uh, I want to save that one for last because I wanted to I want to build up to this song. Welcome to Joe Pass, Joe Smash. (laughs) 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 When we talk about the music that smashes and that passes in the Joe variety. Man, this is so disorganized. (laughs) 
<laughs> First up, we got Justin Bieber's track, Anyone. Um, initial, initial thoughts on Anyone? It's relatively good compared to other Justin Bieber songs. Uh, the arrangement is nice. The production is very good. Uh, the vocal performance is all right. I feel like, um, and this is kind of going to be like a running theme when we talk about uh, at least two of the songs on Joe Pass, Just Mash for this week, is that I feel as though uh, the song really does have a, a sense of tension and resolution. Like it really kind of builds up to the chorus line, whereas it's something mm -hmm. that I feel as though a lot of music is lacking. There's just a, a much a much lacking sense of... Uh, tension and resolution especially in the structure of songs mm -hmm. um it's a pretty song as far as uh arrangement goes i think the the use of the strummed kind of acoustic guitar is nice um it's nothing particularly interesting uh as far as harmony and chord progressions go i think it just uses the standard uh one six four five type deal sure but um you know it's it's a it's a pretty stock kind of love song going on, but yeah. nevertheless, I think it's, you know, it's satisfyingly pretty. It's not juicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, the, the, I only know the song as Juicy now, even though I yeah, don't Yeah, it's even, only Juicy. Yeah, I don't even know what the song is actually called. I want to say it was Yummy, but I don't know if I've ever even heard it. It was, yeah. Okay. Well, it's Juicy now. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say about this uh, Anyone song. My kind of instinct upon hearing it is it sounds like the Justin Bieber that wrote slash sang One Last Lonely Girl and Baby But Grown Up. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't feel like whatever his other stuff has been that I just didn't fuck with. It sounded like Bieber doing Bieber. Yeah. I'm like, okay, good for him. But I don't I don't like Bieber. But still, I liked it better than the other stuff we heard. Yeah. I feel and like... Yeah, I thought he did fine in it, like... Singing wise, and uh, I assume he writes an amount of the instrumentation and shit. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was okay. Uh, yeah, I actually can say I thought that his vocal performance is really good. I think that he is a talented vocalist, and I've probably said this mm -hmm. on on past occasions as well. And I feel like this is one case where I feel that his vocal capacity really shows through. He's really good at that kind of head voice to falsetto transition where it, it, you know, it doesn't sound like he's just kind of like hammering out that falsetto too much. I know that he uses it a lot when, um, uh, when there's like a counter melody or there's like call and response type thing. Yeah. Uh, especially since he's been doing uh, a lot of Neo R and B stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I feel as though this is kind of a nice change of pace just to do like a kind of run of the mill romantic yeah, kind of love song. love song kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Bieber fans of old will like this. I think if you follow current Biebs, you'll enjoy this as well. But for me, I will probably give it a Joe Pass. But I'll say, good job, Justin. I'm going to give it... Nice uh, try, Justin. You'll get I, him next time. I'm going to get uh, Joe Pass, but it it's uh, on the It's border. a light pass. It's a, yeah, it's, it's just I'm border. not a Bieber fan. Yeah, similarly to me. Yes. Alrighty. So did we want to do a uh, driver's license, Olivia Rodrigo? Yes. So this one really blew up. I think it's at number one right now. And I think it oh, yeah. broke records as far as streaming goes. I think it had uh, 10.1 or 10.9 million streams in its first week, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, that's pretty good. Olivia Rodrigo, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, kind of the a teen actor and singer. Uh, she's done a lot of work with like Disney uh and I, and I think um, 
I'm not sure if, uh, how varied her music career has been in the past. I know that this is kind of her breakthrough single. Yeah, from her Wikipedia page, it seems that she was on the hit Disney Channel series Bizarre Vark. <laughs> yeah, I think she was on the High School Musical TV series as well, which I didn't even oh, know. Oh, the existed. Disney Plus one. Oh, is that is that what that is? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I just see like, oh, I see High School Musical, the musical, the series. I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? It says Disney Plus series. I'm like, okay. So she's very, uh, she's current Disney as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess the uh, yeah the other one was like 2016, I guess the other show. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a very good voice, um, and this is one that uh, it may have come up kind of automatically when I was listening to the the weekend song when I was listening uh, to songs uh, on Spotify when I was on the bus. And before you mentioned it, it was one that I'm like, oh, I should look into this one more. And then uh, you mentioned like, oh, we should use this one. And I'm like, I double down on that because it was a good song. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I did like this. I don't know anything about this singer slash actress. I don't know if like this is kind of like a breakthrough debut-ish thing aside from her Disney projects. Uh, but regardless, I thought it was a very good song. I think it's a great song as well. I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit when I started listening to it and I heard the kind of teen singer, young adult kind of yeah. lilt in her voice. Lana Del Rey uses that all the time. I think that's probably uh, where that vocal affectation comes from, uh, at least, mm. or that kind of era. But it's a good song. Like I mentioned before, uh, I think there's a really strong kind of building pre-chorus there's also mm-hmm. there's a really good sense of momentum that it's like constantly building to something, um, and that's really reflected in the instrumentation as well. It has a very starts out very minimalist, but then the instrumentation kind of really just builds upon it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the use of the the minimal drum machine, or I'm not sure if it's just a sampled set of sounds. It's very uh, reminds me a lot of. Um, uh, Phineas, who's the producer of uh, Billie Eilish, that kind of technique. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it has a really strong pre-chorus and it has a really nice bridge as well. I feel like the bridge in general is just something that's been omitted from a lot of pop music, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, dynamics and vocal performance. Uh, it's, uh, it's great. It works. Yeah. And, uh, when I saw that it was titled driver's license and heard her voice, I assumed she's like a 16 year old kid. (laughs) Um, but like for something that I didn't have any expectations from of a 16 year old kid, it's fucking good. It's pretty good. Yeah. She's got the chops. It's like a Rebecca Black song. It's about getting her driver's license. (laughs) Driver's license. (laughs) Gotta get Gotta drive a car. Gotta go to the DMV. (laughs) That doesn't work. Which seat will I take? The driver's seat. Um, yeah. yeah, I give this a solid Joe smash. As do I. Dope, my guy. Dopamine. Alrighty. So, so, uh, so the uh, the one that uh, that I allegedly stole a joke about. Uh, weekend, save your tears. Yeah. Uh, I admitted it. It's not alleged. First, I did steal that joke. Yeah. <laughs> the first slash. Last song. I, I was using it to express just how much I enjoyed it. Um, yep. It's great. Um, I feel like pop music in general, um, even if I uh, kind of grant a song the benefit of the doubt and am willing to be positive about it, uh, it might not necessarily be something that I'm really 
interested in revisiting. But in this case, I think I listened to this song like three or four times back to back. It mm -hmm. is awesome. It's great. Um, it's an extremely simple song structure. Um, I think it really thrives off the instrumentation, uh, specifically invoking, you know, the 70s and 80s sound. Uh, it just has a really uh, punchy eighth note bass line. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it uses the, uh, the minor third, actually, very interestingly, which is not something that you hear very often, I feel like, as much anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think the chords, if I'm not mistaken, go uh, C major, A minor to E minor to G. It always has the sense that it's like it's not like anxious, like it's not going anywhere until you get to yeah. that G. Uh, and then the uh, there's a very brief like pre-chorus that has a different chord progression that's really nice. But anyway, I think it's the it's it's the bass line that it kind of gives it uh, such a uh, a great feeling to it. And obviously the the lyrics and the vocal delivery are are fantastic. Uh, I don't know. I love the song. It's hard to describe uh, from an essentialist perspective. It kind of sounds very run of the mill, but uh, right. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. Oh, 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 that's the rabbit. Yeah, I, I was... just sent Aiden for the record. I sent Aiden a picture of the rabbit. <laughs> Just lounging, I, uh, chilling out. I thought it was dead. I'm like, you no. just sent me roadkill. <laughs> no, it's live. It's uh, bedroom live. Okay, not roadkill. I dig the song. Give it a heart, Joe Smash, and yeah, it's, uh, it's up there with Blinding Lights to me. Yeah. Uh, so I've been listening to more of the weekend more lately. Like I've I re-listened to the well because uh, Megan has a playlist of sort of chill songs. And a song that I really digged on there, uh, I later found out was Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, which is a song that I had, in fact, reviewed before on this very podcast and just entirely forgot how it went in any way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, man, I dig this song. And I actually listened to the lyrics. It's like, blinding by the light. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. So I, it turns out I've been enjoying The Weeknd for a couple of weeks now and enjoying the heck out of him. Uh, and yeah. Save Your Tears was no exception to that. I think this very much is a slap-worthy song. Um, I would say that when it, first time I heard it, I didn't care for the lyrics too much, but mm. with The Weeknd, I feel he's a lot more about vibes than... I guess lyrically, some of his other ones were pretty good too, but I just felt like it wasn't as strong as like blind, uh, Blinded Lights. Um, but like kind of vibe-wise, I thought it was a, uh, a, a total banger, uh, a total Joe Smash, if you will. Yeah, I feel as though if I had to guess, I would say that The Weeknd is the kind of songwriter that kind of thinks of things musically and then brings the lyrical themes into them in order to make it work with the composition, yeah. as opposed to uh, writing a song that's kind of explicitly about something and then uh, yeah. building the composition around that. Although that's just my guess. I'm not sure if that's necessarily his process. Right. And like a, a title like Save Your Tears, it kind of felt like uh, cringy just from the start of it, that mm -hmm. title. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I kind of went in with a, a presumption about how I would feel about it lyrically, mm -hmm. and the music itself won me over. And then lyrically, I'm kind of like mad to it, um, just because it seems like a generic kind of emotional title. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I think the song is very good, and despite that, uh, it is a very hard Joe Smash. I actually like the lyrics a lot and it's not because they're 
uh, lacking in subtlety or poetry, but because uh, I think that The Weeknd is very much decidedly a pop singer, that, that he's very much not going for anything outside of that or anything kind of yeah. lyrically interesting. Um, it's sort of like a lot of people kind of uh, uh, clown on Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails for doing kind of cringy lyrics, right. but without realizing that they're meant to be kind of simple uh, little effigies that go along with the composition. Yeah. Uh, and I think that in, in that regard, the song works very well. It's just very yeah. tight. It's Yeah, uh, like for, for a yeah. The Weeknd song, mm-hmm. he did everything perfectly. Like he hit it out of the park again. Yeah. Like this is as good as a the weekend song can get. Like this is like a top tier one. Yeah. Um. So fucking congrats, the weekend. I'm I'm checking to make sure if I use the term effigy correctly. I did not. Okay, I believe not, you. Not in any and way. I'm sure half the audience will believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I, they're more like a stickler for words than you are, uh, then I think you're you're fine. I was using it as a metaphor. Okay. Well, obviously. <laughs> also, I wanted to give a. Joe Pass, Joe Smash, honorable mention slash shout out to, uh, there was a remix of 3435, Ariana Grande, uh, featuring, I believe, Doja Cat and Megan The Stallion. Honorable mention for it being part of Joe Pass, Joe Smash. I wouldn't say it was a Joe Smash. I would say that it, I didn't hate it. Uh, In fact, you know, I considered... 3435, the original, as the runner-up song of the year for me after uh, Billie Eilish is my future. Really? But I would say that I didn't think that the additional kind of rap performances uh, added anything to it. And some of like the compositional stuff, I felt it was uh, uh, like bass and synthy type stuff was uh, uh, and uh, like drum machine type stuff was amped up a bit to make it a little more trap-like than I would have wanted. Yeah. Whereas the original is a little more subtle with that kind of stuff. And even like any, not that the, the lyrics themselves are overly subtle, but when you have like Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat singing slash rapping their parts, it kind of takes any uh, chance at subtlety out of it. And makes, and I think that the, especially Megan Thee Stallion had a great performance on it. Uh, it was not as good as the original. So I would, uh, I would give the original once again, a Joe smash and this one, a kind of Joe meh. I want to point out two observations <laughs> It, yeah. that I think were were kind of funny. One is that you started talking about 34, 35 at yeah. exactly 34 minutes and 35 seconds into the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> nice. And also, uh, I love how you say, every time you say Megan the Stallion, you say Megan the Stallion, you place like <laughs> emphasis on the on the, the because it is most <laughs> definitely... The a, Stallion. Yeah, because it's T-H-E-E. Like, you know, yeah. you're supposed to put it on the the. You're not, you're, it's not Megan or Stallion for sure. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, so I actually have not listened to this remix yet. I feel like remixes can really go either way. Like one yeah. of my favorite songs of last year, and I'm not sure if I mentioned it, was the remix of Roses by St. John. By I think uh, it, Yeah, well, I think we did do that one. Yeah. I'm not sure if I mentioned it in my year-end review, though. I might have forgotten about it. But without a doubt, like just an awesome remix and so much better than the original song. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know the original song or remember the remix, but I'll take your word for it. The remix was like uh, almost like a house track. Oh, okay. Anyway. Should we get wrecked, nerd? Get wrecked, nerd. Uh, did you want to do yours? Yeah, I'll do mine real quick. Um, 
this is a, an album that I kind of got into relatively recently. Uh, I have not purchased it yet uh, or added it to my collection in any way. It's called Concierto by Jim Hall. It's named after Concierto de Ranues, which is a composition by uh, Joaquin Rodrigo, which is a Spanish composition, which kind of caught my eye. Jim Hall, uh, the way that I know of him was because he actually played on that Jerry Mulligan record, which we previously featured on the podcast in a past Get Wreck Nerd. Mm. Um, so I kind of looked into him. I know that he uh, goes into uh, Latin type jazz a little bit, a little of the bossa nova and samba scene. I know that. Oh, sorry. No, I was about to say he played with uh, uh, Stan Getz, but I'm not sure. But I, I think that was Charlie Bird, actually. Um, in this case, uh, it's a great jazz record. I think, without a doubt, the centerpiece of it is the cover of Concierto de Aranjuez or the or the jazz interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it actually does use a lot of Latin parts, like a lot of Latin rhythms. Mm-hmm. Um, it does kind of go through the main melodic motif in the original concerto and then a lot of improvisation around it. Uh, the Concierto de Aranjuez also uh, was covered by uh, Chick Corea famously on Spain, which is an album. So it's such a useful tool for uh, improvisation because you can just like use that central uh, melody, kind of improvise and then return to the structure of the song very easily. It's not the entire uh, concerto. It's actually the second movement, which is the minor movement, which is probably the most famous part of the concerto. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have even heard of the melody before. It's uh, It's been used in a film and TV show and all that shit. So it's like originally written for classical guitar and then obviously with the orchestra backing. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, there's an, there are other tracks as well that I assume are jazz standards. Uh, they, they're great and they're... Uh, incorporate a little bit of latin rhythms as well um but uh yeah that's just the overview that i want to give of this uh, album i'm definitely going to listen to it a little more because i haven't had a chance to really kind of go in depth with it yet right but uh it's a uh wreck from moi dope i will listen to that nerd thank you nerd. Um, nerd. uh yeah that uh that sounds pretty cool i will listen to that actually what's the opposite um, of a nerd chad chad um I don't know about that. I think we're both Chads and we're both nerds. So I think we're the nerdy mm. of the Chads, but Oh yeah, I guess version would be the opposite of Chad, wouldn't it? Yeah. Nerds uh don't necessarily have to be virgins or Chads. They can be however they exist. Okay, uh, but the opposite of nerd would I guess it'd be jock. Jock. Uh, uh you can be a a non uh, I feel like this is getting too complicated. We're going to need to yeah. like fucking draw Venn diagrams and shit. Uh yeah. anyway, uh, we're Coming soon to we're a pod, an audio podcast near you, the Chad Virgin Nerd Diagram. <laughs> the propositional logic of Chads and nerds. Yeah. Uh, so for my Get Wrecked Nerd, after our last podcast, since you said your favorite of the uh, the Get Wrecked Nerds was the uh, Morph the Cat by Donald Fagan, mm-hmm. I thought I would take it back a step and recommend Comicuriad by Donald Fagan. Oh, I haven't heard of uh, that. So, so it's his second album... Uh, his first one being The Nightfly, and then Comicuriad, and then Morph the Cat, uh, and then uh, I believe Sunken Condos is the fourth one. But yeah, this is the second one. Uh, it was actually produced by Walter Becker, so it's essentially, in essence, a Steely Dan album. Hmm. Uh, this being kind of like their first collaboration since uh, whenever Steely Dan's last album was. And uh, I believe it's kind of like a concept album, but I'd say each song is 
like like you would expect from a Donald Fagan or Steely Dan album, is a pretty fucking dope song. And uh, some of the highlights of this album, there's a song called Counter Moon, which I really like. Uh, Tea House on the tracks. Um, Trans Island Skyway is the opening track, and it's pretty dope. But yeah, uh, I highly recommend it if you are someone that has enjoyed previously uh, the musics of Donald Fagan and or Steely Dan. Uh, yeah. I would say this is probably my... I would say it's my, I'd say my favorite Donald Fagan album is The Nightfly, but this is a very close second. And then mm. I probably have Morph the Cat as a very close third. I see. And well, Sergeant I fall Commandos into that category that you mentioned of uh, nice. fucking with uh, Steely Dan and or Donald Fagan records. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll give it a listen. Yeah. Speaking of records, this is one that I don't own on vinyl and it is very hard to come by. I remember seeing it for sale online for like $80, and that is considered a deal. <laughs> wow. Yep. All righty. Do you have a SoundCloud shout-out for this uh, cast? I shout to the void. void. Right, the void getting your recommendation again. They must really fucking make some good tunes. Yep. Anyway, uh, I want to shout out uh, a... Relatively unknown artist uh, called Arbor Lights. They're an instrumental rock band, post-rock, I guess you could say. In fact, the way that I stumbled across their music was from World Needs Post-Rock, which is like a promotional channel for post-rock. But they also do like a 24-7 uh, like radio type thing, like post-rock beats to uh, sleep and or study to type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I just heard the track, uh, The Mayor and the Diver, which is the last track on this album, which fucking goes hard. Um, most of the album is very kind of clear-cut, uh, kind of pretty-sounding post-rock, very uh, crescendo-oriented. Uh, and this last track is no exception to that, but this track gets very uh, abrasive and noisy, which I love, because it kind of breaks the overall uh, atmosphere that the album has established. Yeah. It's just a, a talented group of lads from England, uh, who uh, uh, hope uh, go on to continue to create uh, good records. And that's it. Nice. I will listen to The Mayor and the Diver by Arbor Lights. Yes. Any other business? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm, uh, that pretty much covers everything I want to talk about. Did you have anything you want to ambush me with? I wanted to ambush you hard. Uh, I want to ambush you with something you're already aware of because I told you about it, but I want to tell it on the podcast. So it exists in a public forum. So if anyone steals my idea, I will say, why'd you do that? You have proof. Well, no, because I, I told you about the idea. You, yeah, put, this it, you the put it into a fixed medium. So it's, yes. you, you own this, the copyright. This will hold up in a court of law when I when I find this coming up. China uh, is going to steal your fucking IP. <laughs> yeah, no one should steal my IP. If you'd invented whatever I'm about to say, you'd have invented it. <laughs> uh, so fucking yeah, the, uh, the idea that I've had... I told you about was I want to record an album of shower songs. Mm -hmm. So I think the process I will do, I've been thinking about it so much. I think I'm probably going to, I'm either going to sing in the shower and have like a microphone recording it from inside the bathroom, or I might even go a step further, find some sort of waterproof earbuds, do all like the sort of the backing track stuff first. Uh, and maybe even like a rough, vocal thing to guide me or just like a little thing to guide me a bit and then have uh, these hypothetical waterproof earbuds in my ear 
and then sing my heart out in the shower and record that. But I'm thinking that uh, it'd be cool in the album if it starts just hearing the shower and me singing and then like the the arrangement like kicks in like in the second verse or something for each of these songs. I see. Okay. And like this would probably be strictly a, a an album of cover songs. So like kind of my go-to sort of songs that I would sing in the shower, uh, which usually involves like uh, uh, anything that Frank Sinatra would probably would have sang uh, or like those kind of singers like uh, uh, like Dean Martin and stuff like that. You know, uh, I definitely want to do the song My Way at some point. That's a good shower song. Uh, I've Got You Under My Skin is a is a good go-to. I've Got the World on a String. All these are like great songs to sing in the shower, at least for me. Uh, and I'm not sure if I'm going to call the album... Well, see, ah, like a lot of ideas, sometimes these things come title first, but I have like three pretty good titles for this album. And I don't know if I want to make three albums or if I have to pick the best of the three. So the, the names of these albums were going to be, uh, if it's a trilogy, the first one is Singing in the Drain, uh, obviously Shower <laughs> yeah. Drain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Penny for Your Shower Thoughts, uh, which would be not a bad one, but it's my least favorite of the three. And the third one is the vinyl curtain, which sounds like a menacing shower curtain. I, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> and also, as I mentioned, I want to do the song my way. Uh, and there's a, a line where he goes, uh, and so I face the final curtain. And I would probably sing it as vinyl curtain because I'm facing the end of my shower curtain album. Okay. So that would probably be the last track on the album. But I don't know if I would, maybe I would just call the last track vinyl curtain and then in brackets my way this so i'm i'm putting my own idea into a fixed medium and uh if anybody steals this idea then i'll see you in court um but if you the backing track as well should be should sound like it's in the same room as the shower oh yeah absolutely. in the bathroom do you know what i'm saying oh I'm, yeah yeah uh, okay so you yeah. you're i'm gonna do some reverb on it and i'm gonna try and replicate the sound of whatever shower i'm singing in as best i can all right we're on the same wavelength then that's pretty yeah. much all <laughs> So I, meaning I that this will not hold up in a court of law because I think we even discussed this previously. Oh, okay. Maybe. I think you were telling me about how to recreate um, reverbs of specific existing rooms. Oh, yeah. Uh, convolution reverb. Although that's, yeah. it's probably it's not worth it. Yeah, well, no, it's probably not worth it for this album because it, uh, most convolution reverb plugins cost a lot of money. Uh, well, you can't put a price on art unless it's uh, uh, above like $4. I don't got a lot of money. <laughs> it's definitely above $4. So unfortunately, it's not going to make it onto this record. But I'm sure that you can find a reverb that it's it would not be like that tricky. Yeah. Especially and probably like not worth the effort for this. Yeah. This I, I, yeah. Another I side with, goal go of me mine. What's up? I would go singing in the drain. Because I feel like drain. it's a it's a it's a funny idea. And so the funny song, the funny album name uh, goes with it. Yeah, uh, and I'm thinking that I'll do like a, an artsy kind of album cover um, where like maybe parodying an existing like Frank Sinatra type album, um, but it'll be me uh, like with a towel above my nipples and like wrapping my hair in a, in a towel as well, singing against mm -hmm. a microphone. Yeah, and I kind of have this idea of I would like to do all the instrumentations, uh, maybe not necessarily in the shower, but at least in the nude. <laughs> okay. But we'll see. <laughs> Wait, did you say on the album cover? 
What's up? Uh, on the album cover, or you're like, or you know, I'll record all the tracks nude. Well, I, I would assume so. Uh, but the album cover would be an artsy rendition of a photo of me with uh, a towel covering my nipples and my hair. Oh, oh, like okay, wrapping my yeah. hair up idea. in a towel. Wow, you've actually invested quite a bit of thought into this. Oh yeah, man, I don't mess around, and I love singing in the shower. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's pretty much the only place where I don't feel insecure singing. And a great like natural reverb. Yes, the natural sure. oh, yeah, reverb yeah. of the shower. Yeah, I totally agree. I do all my like vocal exercises and shit in the in the shower. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm I'm totally all for this. I'm uh, I'm gonna listen to the shit out of this once it comes out, and uh, yeah. Yep, and this is an album featuring cover songs, so it'll be for free because I will get sued. But if you want to support me, buy the dead roaches for God's sake. <laughs> Damdow.bandcamp.com. Based on true events, dead roaches. Based on future Based predicted on events, yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining this episode of the Spin This Podcast, the podcast where we talk about music and musical things in the world and everything that's spinning in the musical world. Follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, um, uh, Apple Music, uh, Rest in Peace, Google Play. Uh, follow us anywhere where music podcasts exist. Um, I've been Sam Dow. I've been Aiden Glare. And you, next time. Yeah.